Rarely accused of ribaldry, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The podcast that wants you to wear your thinking cap. He used to shoot baskets with a bowling ball. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for being you, because if you weren't you, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast now, would you? Anyway, we are here to help people feel good about that transition from Obamacare to Medicare, and uh, I do that by sharing all of my voluminous Medicare knowledge with people through the book I wrote, Medicare for the Lazy Man, the 2022 edition is out right now. It's at barnesandnoble.com, and it's at amazon.com. If you go and search Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022, you're going to find a whole bunch of different editions at a whole bunch of different price points. And what's going to happen if you buy one of those very inexpensive books, settle down, maybe get a stiff drink, and enjoy the uh, reading of that book for maybe an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half. Uh, of course, if you uh, move your lips when you read, it could take longer. But when you have finished reading that book, you're going to be among the most highly educated Medicare experts on the face of the planet. It is uh, incredible how I have the skill to do very little else. It's hard for me to tie my shoes. Uh, I can't keep a friend very long, but I have this innate skill about taking Medicare, a very complex and confusing and frightening process, and boiling it down to its simplest components. So I think if you take the time to read my book as a Medicare candidate, somebody approaching Medicare eligibility, you're going to find that you probably don't need any other uh, source of Medicare information and you will find that you have become a Medicare expert just like me. And then I hope you call me or write me. My address is right in the book. And uh, let me know that you, A, enjoyed the book, and B, you would like me to help you get the Medicare coverages that you need. I am licensed in all 50 states plus the uh, uh, District of Columbia. So wherever you live in the United States, I am legally able to help you acquire the Medicare coverages that will make your transition to Medicare smooth and painless. Speaking of smooth, not necessarily painless, I'd like to introduce my podcast engineer, Randy Carson. Hello, Randy. How the heck are you? I'm good. I'm glad to hear it. I just really can't complain today. You know, I've tried it several times and nobody cares well i've got a notepad and a crayon i'm ready to take notes if you want to <laughs> tell me all the things that are bothering you well right now I've, I've got to tell you doug my mouth is watering because folks when we were getting ready for this particular recording session in the studio we were talking about snacks that we loved as a kid popcorn i'm all about popcorn yeah and so then that got me thinking about i really need some freaking popcorn here so now i'm stuck in the studio with no popcorn but i have to make my own i don't like store-bought 
well, why don't you buy one of those 50 gallon drums of canola oil or, or <laughs> is it coconut oil or whatever? It's, it's and, actually coconut oil. And I'll come over and join you and we'll whip up a whole bunch of popcorn. Yeah. And Doug's, Doug's got this big smile on his face because I was, I didn't realize when I figured out what kind of the, of oil the movie theaters used, you know, I snuck up on a popcorn machine. I was, you know, looking around going where, what kind of popcorn oil they're using. I thought, okay, I got it. So I wrote it down. Doug's smiling the whole way through this because this sounds, this is just so me. So then I get home and I go, I need some of this popcorn oil. And unfortunately, the only place you can buy that popcorn oil is in a commercial supply house. And uh, they, it only comes in five gallon increments. <laughs> oh, not 50. Okay. Five gallons. Uh, we could still deal with yeah, that. I think, I think we could get through five gallons somehow. Uh, well, I mean, e- even if I had to give half of it away, I, I think to me, it would still be worth it. Well, I'll tell you that story reminded me of my uh, experience during the summer of love, 1967. It was my first summer after my freshman year in college. And I came back to St. Charles, Illinois, and I got a summer job at the uh, local General Mills plant, which was a fairly sizable uh uh, operation. And uh, I, I started out, and this is where I worked on the can line where we can Baco chips. I'd never even heard of Baco chips before. And uh, because we always had this regular crispy bacon. But um, so I, my first job was canning Baco chips, and then they promoted me to the warehouse. And I found a torn bag of chocolate chip cookie mix. Now, this General Mills plant supplied food to organizations, mostly mental hospitals and the army. And so um, it had to meet those standards, which may not have been the same standards as your mother would would have adhered to. <laughs> but when I saw this bag of chocolate chip cookie mix that had the uh, all the, the powder, it was like add water, basically. I mean, there wasn't much you had to add to it to make cookies. I was the the bag was worthless because it had a tear in it, and you know uh, the company could not use it for anything except hog slop. So I threw that thing in the. It was fifty pounds. I threw it in the trunk of my car, and I took it home and I mathematically worked the menu or the um, the cooking instructions down to from you know get a number twenty eight pot, which is like an eighteen gallon. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Sup- the supply sergeant has to issue one of those to you when you're cooking for the uh, platoon in your uh, army camp. But um, the whole thing was I got it down to mathematically what a family sized uh, recipe would be. And yeah. uh, I, we had, we had a cook at the time who was from some foreign country. And so I had to explain it to her and she made the cookies and they looked okay to me, but man, they were only fit for the the military and uh, <laughs> mental hospitals. They were not very good chocolate chip cookies. I was never so disappointed in my life. Oh, that would have been a that would have been a heartbreaker because you thought you were lined up for cookies the rest of the summer. I worked it out so that you know fifty pounds of uh, bag of that would last me until um, age sixty one. I think was what I had it figured yeah. out. Yeah, I could have exactly. a couple of cookies every day, but I, it was I, not. I totally get it. It was not to be. So now I rely on Mrs. Fields for my chocolate chip cookie mix uh, fix. So the other problem I've got with cookies, mm-hmm. and this is just a personal problem. I I'm a you know I'm a, I'm a baker. That's what I do for fun. I I'm a computer programmer, software engineer, but that doesn't taste very good sometimes. No, so, I imagine not. 
I, I do things like artisan bread and cakes and cookies and all that stuff. My mom, for whatever reason, bless her heart, decided when I was out in the middle of western Nebraska and the snow was coming down, I needed to know how to bake. I don't know why. <laughs> she never she never taught me how to cook, but she taught me how to bake. So I can bake just about everything that's not nailed down. So when I'm baking... I have certain things that I want to do, and ultimately, that's the way I like stuff is my stuff and how I did it. So I used to bake my own cookies, but when I got here to Arizona, I don't know what it is. I can't get my recipes for cookies to do anything, anything like it used to work in Nebraska, and I, it could have something to do with the... Uh, you know, the uh, low humidity it could be something to do with the altitude, could have been anything. But I got so depressed that I couldn't make a cookie anymore. I mean, yeah. they used to be nice, nice and fluffy and tall. Sure. Now they're short and squatty and look like they get run over by a truck. Oh, boy. Well, I'll tell you something. Mary won't bake to save her soul because when she does, it never works out. And her complaints are very much like yours. She has atmospheric or altitude complaints and blames it all on that. I believe she really uh, is hampered by the fact that she has a gluten allergy. So she doesn't really care about the results because she's not going to eat anything she bakes. Right. Right. And so she doesn't put her whole heart into it as she would if it were back in the old days when, before she developed the gluten allergy. Well, as you and I talked about this on one episode, uh, I don't know, a while ago, but cooking without gluten is a real trick because gluten is what, makes it happen and in order to replace oh. gluten you have to use something called xanthan gum oh, and, in, and and unless you cook with xanthan gum every day of your life it reacts entirely differently and uh, it just makes life a real misery if you have to cook with gluten free oh when she was first diagnosed it was like 1978 and um, <clears throat> it was triggered by a pregnancy so uh the medical advice at the time was uh yeah here don't eat gluten well what's you know what things don't have gluten well pretty much nothing and so she was <laughs> yeah, everything I she don't. ate looked and tasted like cardboard but the the uh, interesting thing was that she had to stop drinking beer and of course i'm a beeraholic i enjoy an occasional beer and so i grew horns i became the spawn of satan on the day she realized that she could not drink beer any longer and i was happily enjoying an occasional beer and so in about 25 years from her original diagnosis a uh, i heard about a um microbrewery in upstate new york that was brewing gluten-free beer and i said oh boy Here's my ticket back into the good graces. So I ordered a case of this gluten-free beer, you know, uh, unknown to the spousal unit. And uh, I had to follow all these rules that uh, was shipped in via UPS Air Freight. Uh, the whole thing cost $84 uh, delivered to my house, but I had to promise to be there to sign for it. And uh, it was all wrapped in styrofoam and packed in dry ice. And so the thing lay on the porch smoking like a, a, a piece of explosive that was about to go off. The IRA, I thought maybe it come and uh, decided to kill me because I'm English. And so uh, I got that, that case of beer into the house and uh, we were going to a party. And so I said, I have a little gift I'm bringing along 
for the party. And she was so excited to be able to drink beer again. She danced around showing everybody, look what I can do. I can drink beer. It's wonderful after 25 years. Well, then other companies started making gluten-free beer. And then finally, uh, Budweiser started making Red Bridge which is available anywhere and it stopped being so special. So I went from husband of the year to, you know, just another schlub that hangs around. Just, I was going to say just a regular run of the mill schmuck now. Right. Right. But at one point she finally <laughs> said, you know, something gluten-free beer sucks. It is not good. And uh, so she said, I'm going to stop drinking gluten-free beer until they come up with something that tastes a little better. So that was kind of disappointing, but at least she had a good run with the gluten-free beer, even though it didn't taste like real beer to her. So did you ever taste it? Oh, God, no. Are you kidding? I'm not going to. Yeah. Uh, I was I was just hoping if you could give me the, you know, the inside skinny on how bad it tasted. Well, I can't tell you for sure. I'd have, you know, I would probably get on the internet and see what other people's opinions are. There are a lot of people who are not like me, who are beer snobs and they like IPAs and they like uh, the yeah. experience of stumbling over a new beer. Yeah. You know, just give me a, a certain, it's like smoking cigarettes. Everybody had their own brand that they were loyal to. Well, yeah. I, I pretty much much like uh, MGD or, uh, you know, the, uh, Working man's brews. I like PBR. I like uh, uh, Miller High Life. Um, so I'm not an aficionado that can explain to you precisely why gluten-free beer doesn't taste good. I just, I'm not that uh, uh, schooled. My taste buds are not that schooled. Hey, guess what? We're all, we're almost ready to go home. We're well, out I of know. time. It, it's coming out with, you know, we've got a bit of time left. So you've got six minutes and 40 seconds. Oh, God. Well, let me crank into this. I found an article that said some seniors, and I hate the word seniors, so some individuals make this costly Medicare enrollment mistake. A bar bipartisan bill looks to fix it. Well, what are they talking about here? I don't know. Let's both find out together, shall we? The key points of this article are the Medicare Enrollment Protection Act would eliminate late enrollment penalties for certain individuals who have COBRA coverage and then realize they missed a Medicare sign-up deadline. Those late charges, which are tacked on to monthly Medicare premiums, are generally life-lasting. I've never heard a term life-lasting um, anyway, the bill does not address associate an associated problem. Cobra insurers trying to recoup paid benefits from the patient, a bipartisan bill in the house aims to fix a costly enrollment mistake that some older adults make when they transition to Medicare from an employer based health plan. And I think what they're going to say is that these people go on to Cobra without realizing that Cobra coverage is not considered creditable coverage. Under current rules, workers age 65 or older who leave their job but keep their company's health insurance as allowed under federal law, uh, under COBRA, they can end up facing late enrollment penalties for Medicare when they eventually sign up. And those fees, which are tacked onto monthly premiums, are generally life-lasting. I would say that those fees are lifelong. And uh, so this bill says that anytime you're on COBRA coverage and discover you should have enrolled in Medicare, you get a special enrollment period. Your benefits start right away and you don't pay a late enrollment penalty. Uh, so uh, this consultant is explaining that, that this, uh, this bill is called the Medicare Enrollment Protection Act. 
And it also would require that if a COBRA insurer discovers the patient should be on Medicare, the claim cannot be denied, according to a congressional staffer. So anyway, I don't run into this in my Medicare practice too often, where people have gone on COBRA without being told that COBRA coverage or employee retiree coverage are not considered credible for staving off the late enrollment penalties of Medicare. When you enroll in Medicare Part B, if you haven't had creditable coverage within the uh, few months prior to that enrollment, then you are going to be penalized with a late enrollment penalty that can last the rest of your life. So don't trust COBRA. Don't trust retiree coverage to be the answer to your Medicare enrollment problems. Uh, So let's uh, go to the next article here. I've got enrolling in Medicare. Here are three things you need to know. Not understanding one can lead to a lifelong penalty. So what have we got here? We've got um, Medicare comes with many costs, premiums, deductibles, co-pays, and co-insurance. If you sign up late for certain parts of your coverage, you could pay a lifelong penalty. You can consider supplemental insurance to fill in the coverage gaps. Medicare may seem like a maze when you first try to navigate it. After all, there are different parts to the federal insurance program, which provides coverage for about 56.5 million individuals in the 65 and older crowd. And whether you're reaching eligibility of age 65 or older and switching from workplace to uh, Medicare insurance, there are some important factors to consider that affect your wallet. First, however, it's worth knowing the basics. Original Medicare consists of Part A and Part B. We know all that. Um, And uh, some beneficiaries choose to get these benefits delivered through an Advantage plan. Part C, which is, uh, as Randy knows, stands for Crapola. And... um, Let's see. It typically includes. uh, Okay, number one, here are the three items in this article. It's going to cost you. Medicare is not free. This comes as a surprise to so many uh, Medicare participants who have paid payroll taxes through their working lifetimes and assumed this would mean Medicare would be paid up by the time they turn 65. These taxes will mean no premiums for Part A. But Part B, which is the uh, outpatient insurance, uh, the encounter, the insurance you encounter most often, because that's most of your Medicare uh, medical treatment is uh, under Part B. That's when you go see doctors or um, you have to pay visits to uh, various testing uh, places or x-ray labs or hospital ERs or whatever, but you don't stay overnight. So Part B covers non-inpatient medical expenses. And Part D, is in dog, is for prescriptions. So those things all have premiums, and you have to pay them monthly, uh, or, you know, maybe annually or whatever, but premium-free Part A is available as long as you've worked at least 10 years of uh, tax taxable employment. Spouses without their own work history may qualify for premium-free Part A because of their husband's uh, uh, work history. And so, uh, let's see, this is a lot of really basic Medicare information that uh, is easily obtained elsewhere and most people know it so number two of the three important points of this article missing key deadlines can mean paying extra 
If you're planning to sign up for Medicare as soon as you're eligible at age 65, you get a seven-month initial enrollment period. And that seven months is the three months before your birth month, the birth month itself, and then the three months after your birth month. And let's not even discuss what happens if you were born on the first of the month. Meanwhile, if you delayed signing up at age 65 because you continued to work and your employer coverage was um, acceptable or creditable, you get eight months to enroll once your workplace coverage ends. Now, it's not really smart to go eight months without any coverage at all, but for some reason, they've uh, created a window that doesn't jibe with anything else, so it's hard to remember. But after you leave your coverage from work, uh, you have eight months to enroll in Medicare without a lifelong late enrollment penalty. Regardless of the enrollment rules, uh, missing the deadline to sign up for Part B can result in a life-lasting same person must have written this, life-lasting late enrollment penalty. I would say a lifelong late enrollment penalty. For each full year that you should have been enrolled but were not, you'll pay 10% of the monthly Part B standard premium as a penalty. So the number three, supplemental insurance may make sense. The various costs associated with basic Medicare may be different if you have supplemental coverage. One option is to enroll in an Advantage plan. Ugh. Randy is uh, giving me the evil eye. Why would I even read that sentence? Because we know that Medicare Advantage plan, oh, he's getting whiplash. Now he's shaking his head. No, don't tell them that. Uh, the Advantage plans come with a cap on out-of-pocket spending, which is huge. Some Advantage plans can reach into your pocket to the tune of $11,000 this year uh, if you don't follow their very strict rules about which Medicare uh, providers to use. Um, so the, uh, let's see, in 2021, it was $5,000, but that's if you followed their rules. If you don't follow the rules, it could be twice that. These plans have networks of providers and some plans will require you to choose a primary care physician and get referrals to see certain providers and prior authorizations for many of the more expensive procedures, tests, and surgeries. And uh, I should keep the numbers of the episodes where we discuss the fraud that often occurs in these Medicare Advantage plans when people want to see a uh, specialist, and they're not allowed to see the specialist by the plan. The plan turns them down, so they have to pay out of their own pocket. I don't think that gets uh, calculated into the uh, total cost of these Advantage plans. So. Um, your other option is what they call Medigap, which I call Medicare Supplement because it supplements Medicare. That picks up almost all of the cost sharing associated with basic Medicare, such as the Part A deductible or the Part B copays. These policies are offered by private insurance companies as well, but they're generally standardized. Same name plans offer identical benefits no matter which insurer sells it. So the plan G from one insurance company is going to be the same as the plan G from all the other insurance companies. However, they can be pricey depending on the insurer and where you live. A 65-year-old woman in Dallas might pay under $100 monthly for a plan G. Well, in New York, that same person would pay $278. But they're ignoring Doug's favorite plan, which is the high deductible plan G. 
A high deductible plan G gives you a deductible that applies only to 20%. In other words, Medicare pays 80%. Your Medicare supplement pays 20%, but it doesn't pay it right away. And it's so much cheaper. High deductible plan G is the only plan I recommend for most people. And so keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, there's no reason for you to get an expensive plan G in New York uh, when you can get a very moderately priced high deductible plan G, put the savings in your pocket and only draw them out uh, when you need them for medical treatment to cover your deductibles. And frankly, if you don't ever draw those savings out after a few years, you're going to have quite a pile of cash because high deductible plan G is a very attractively priced product that is almost unheard of. Most people don't even know about it. Why is that? Because your average agent that could do a good job for them doesn't want to have his income reduced since an agent's uh, commission is a percentage of what you pay for the product that agent likes you better when you have to pay more and uh, telling you about high deductible plan G would not enhance his uh, income at all. So basically those are the, uh, the items that I wanted to talk about late enrollment penalties and the, uh, Excellent, the very excellent high deductible plan G to keep your Medicare supplement costs under control. And with that, I see that we have really run out of time. How does how does it the crickets don't uh, warn me more often about this? Well, I usually keep them under a blanket mm. uh, so that if you're if you're off on a you know a particular thought that the crickets won't interrupt your train of thought. Well, that's very considerate. But on the other hand, I know the audience is sitting there tapping their toes, looking at their watches, going, how long must we endure this? How how long does this go? Oh, my God. I didn't. Oh, let's listen to some more. But, yeah, that's what I usually that's what I usually do. But anyway, we have overextended our stay. We're out of gas. We're out of steam. And by golly, let's bring it into port. So long story short is we really appreciate you joining us. We always do. Without you, it's not nearly as much fun doing this podcast as we have with you. So you have just spent today about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma originally. Not anymore. Ooh, do we want them to look? Do we want them to like and subscribe anything, by the way? Yes, we, everything, every place you can possibly like and subscribe, Doug's podcast, do it, because it means, it means a lot to us. And the other thing it really does is it gives us exposure so other people who would benefit from the information will be able to find us. I think that's an excellent reason to do that. So please like and subscribe, mostly subscribe or mostly like. Is there a difference? Or do we just? Uh, there is not really a difference, but uh, long story short, is do one or the other or both. We'd certainly appreciate it, because Doug is every morning he gets up in his fortress of solitude outside Cave Creek, Arizona, up in the high altitudes, looking for something to come in his email at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. and when he doesn't get anything, he's not happy. I like to be happy. I know. And I like Doug to be happy because he is a much more, hmm, what should I say? Easy guy to look at uh, in the, in the, uh, in the studio when he's a happy guy. So anyway, 
We've talked about the paperback. We've talked about the audio. We've talked about the Kindle. They're all available in all these various forms on Amazon.com. So go there, check them out. And if you've already bought one, leave some sort of a review because that makes a lot of difference to Doug. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you, everybody. 